I'm getting a lot of questions from clients about Bitcoin, so it's great to like you know, be part of the community and have some skin in the game and stuff. Um, but Bitcoin is like Bitcoin's for everybody. Like a lot of people, are like, oh yeah, I know, I don't have enough money to get Bitcoin or whatever. I mean, that's I'm sorry, it's a lame excuse. Like there yeah. are platforms in South Africa that make Bitcoin very easy to get, and you can do it in small amounts, and you can buy you know bits over time. So. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to take a big lump sum and chuck in Bitcoin. I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that anyway. So, yeah, you know, get slowly into the game, and and I, and I really do think it's for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to By the Horns, a Bitcoin podcast about South Africa. This evening, we're joined by a returning guest, Matthew Daniel. Matthew Daniel is a financial advisor with over six years of experience. Matthew's also a covert Bitcoiner, and uh, it's quite rare for someone in his industry, but uh, yeah, it's good to have him on the show. Matthew, Matthew welcome back. Sure, Ricky. Good to be back. Good to be back. This is a, hopefully a lot better than our first interview, which was a horrific fail. We tried to go live streaming without really knowing what yeah. we're doing. Turns out you shouldn't do that. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, straight into the deep end. Didn't, didn't quite work out, but uh, so you learn, eh? So you learn. Don't do live streams yeah. before you know how to do a live stream. Anyway. Uh, this is why this show is not live anymore, was from that first one. But yeah, good to have you back on the show, man. Shot, sure, shot. Sure, sure. <clears throat> How's business been? You've been busy? Yeah, very busy. Um, surprisingly, there's a, it's a good, good time to be an honest financial advisor. Um, so yeah, I really can't complain. Um, yeah, business is flowing in. I think if you're giving good, uh, honest advice and uh, transparent advice, I think uh, word gets out there. And yeah, I really, really can't complain. It's been an interesting time with so much going on in the world. Um, and at some times you've got to sort of wear two hats, which probably makes, which is one of the reasons I'm here today. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, re it's really, it's an exciting time at the same time because with so much going on, I think there's opportunities for guys like myself that are, um, you know, open to, to, to learning more about cryptos and, and things that are not generally used in financial advice. So um, yeah, um, it's, I can't complain here. Eh? Yeah, so I mean, a bit of background, Matt, Matt and I used to work together. Um, we, we both worked in, as wealth managers. And um, at that time, Matt and I were, were having a look at like how conventional financial products work in the financial services space. And we were just both appalled at like <laughs> at the state of it, you know. Um, typically how it works is, is most people don't know this, but there's like a massive upfront commission available for an advisor uh, if he sells a certain product line. And the product lines that are best for the client um, make the advisor the, less, the least upfront commission. So this is like to tie into what you're saying now, Matt, about like being an honest advisor. That six years that you've been building up to the point where you are now in your career has been really, really like slow growth because you've been putting the client's need first and putting them into financial products that have a low fee with no upfront commission. So the client wins, but you really fucking struggle for the first five years because you're not making the cash and all these, these yeah. scammy adv advisors are making. So you know, I've seen I've seen it in the field. I've seen the sacrifices you made, and, and that's why we you know, got you on the show. Is because it's um yeah, it, it takes it takes grit to get where you've gotten. So I salute you for that, and, and well played. Yeah, shot, Ricky. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously being in the industry, and we shared an office. We were neighbors. Um, yeah. And essentially, that's why I'm a Bitcoiner today, is because I ended up in an office next to Ricky. So you can't you can't you can't miss that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the advice industry it's it is changing, um, and generally the younger advisors are kind of a bit more queued up and there's more transparency coming but unfortunately the advice industry is um yeah it's a bit upside down um as ricky said that we get generally you're incentivized to sell the wrong product because it makes you more money so you know it's just not going to work it's not sustainable um and sooner or later the client cotton the client cottons on and he's like hey 
hey, this thing's not growing. Is there, you know, what's going on here? And of course, if he's still with his original advisor, you'll find probably some way to sort of justify it, whatever. But if he goes to get a second opinion from a guy that kind of knows what's going on, he'll tell you like, listen, this stuff's rubbish. Like that guy that you saw the first time, he probably, you know, he made, he made bank, but your stuff's not going to grow and you're probably not going to be able to retire. You, you're not getting yeah. growth. And that purely comes down to the product selection. It's not necessarily the investment was a bad decision. It's literally, it's a product decision and it's what he was incentivized to do. Okay, so, so let's 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 yeah. hone, like make drill down into that, right? So you're talking about like product and the financial decision, right? So yeah. this might be a bit confusing, but it's it sound confusing, but it's not really. So like you're invested in the top forty, for example, in like yeah. uh, an Alan Gray fund that tracks top forty, or Alan Gray equity fund, or you know Coronation yeah. equity fund, or something like that. But the wrapper that that fund is held in is where all the meat, all the fat lies for the advisor. Yeah. So instead yeah. of putting you into a unit trust. <laughs> they'd put you into an endowment and endowments carry much higher fees and those fees yep. reduce your yield. So even though yep. you might still be in, in Alan Gray equity fund and coronation balance fund, et cetera, thinking you're getting all of that growth that is that fund is getting by itself. Yep. You're not because all these layers of fees are being taken off and, and that reduces your yield. And then the, the advisor takes his upfront commission out of that reduction in yield. So it's basically yep. the client is paying for it essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So, Basically, what it is is, and to put it pretty simply, is that if you're taking, uh, if you're taking out an endowment or an RA, or whatever the case is, generally, the life cover companies. So that's the guys. I, I don't know if we can use names and stuff on here or not as well, but um, you know, your yeah, life cover it. companies. Fuck it, let's yeah. use names. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, so you got your liberties, your discoveries, your momentums, your old mutuals, and those those guys yep. are life assurers, and they, and when they sell investments, they generally actually they're selling you a contract. They're selling you a contract saying, um, you're going to keep your investment with us for the next five years. And if you move it, we're going to penalize you. If you terminate it, we're going to penalize you. Um, and we're going to, we're going to pay a big upfront fee to the advisor. So these advisors are generally just kind of salesmen. And you're not actually entering into an investment. You're entering into a contract with these guys. So I see it a lot. I come across it. The majority of the RAs I come across, probably 90% of the are in these structures. And the sad thing is that I want to, you know, I come across a client, I want to move it. They're tied into this contract. So if we want to move it, we send in a quote and say, I, I want to move this and I'll put it in a better structure, which is an investment structure, which is not a contract. It's an investment, say at Alan Gray, for example, where you're in the same unit trust potentially, but you can stop and start your premiums as you need. Um, there's no penalties involved and the fee costs because of that are way lower because there's no incentive for me as an advisor because I get way, way less money, as you mentioned. I mean, it's been, it's been a grind to get to this point, but... When you sign a contract with those life assurance companies for your retirement annuity, they get paid a fat upfront commission. They have a good bank out of it. And the only way to get that commission back, because they're not going to give away money for free, is to claw it out of the investment of well, yeah, from the investment and, and the obviously penalize the, the investor. And so your RA is not going to grow because those fee costs are going off to pay your advisor that sold you thing the thing in the first place. So yeah, I mean. Generally, I see with these life companies, to put in perspective, fees can be four and a half, five percent. I've seen as bad as seven point two percent, and I think I've shared that with you before, Ricky. And yeah. it's just, sometimes I'm so blown away by these things, and I, you know, I, re I know Ricky gets it, and I just send him these screenshots of like, like, dude, look what I came across. I mean, how? And these this? are not products from the 1970s. These are products from no. like no. 2015. No, they're sold now. They're still sold. Yeah, today, today. today. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, I started, I shifted companies about three years ago and I started at a company and they tried to incentivize me to sell these products and I straight up said no. And they got, they got pissed with me. They were not stoked. They were, they were upset with me that I didn't want to sell 
these these crappy products which are not good for the for the in, for the investor um yeah. so yeah and eventually i just like straight up said no and, and i basically said you guys need to be ashamed of yourselves and they actually and and, and this is why i won't mention names but they actually agreed they were like okay yeah you're right you know below below a certain threshold you know they can't actually enter into a unit trust ra because they don't have enough money so you that's the only time you sell that stuff but otherwise you're actually right but so let's yeah, screw the poor guy Let's screw the poor guy because he can't afford to like even more. Well, not he. Yeah, not he can't afford to. We can't afford to have him um, yeah. on these better products because we make no money exactly. out of him. So let's put him into the really, really crap one that screws him even more. So yeah, dude, it's so, outrageous. Like, like it's yeah. such a pretty, it's such a predatory industry, and that's why I left. I basically left in disgust. I was like, this yeah. is fucked. I can't do this. Yeah. Like, dude, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm ashamed. Like, I saw a client within the last month and. He like I really felt for the guy because he's had he's had an RA since I think it was 1998, um, and I came he's got another two which he was taken out more recently, and I came across him and I do his life cover and stuff because that's generally stuff you really do need. I mean that kind of stuff is quite important. Income prediction, life cover, like that's the stuff we really do need. And yeah, and we I looked at his investments and as I do with all my clients, I want to make sure they're in the right structures. And I said to him, listen, dude, this stuff's terrible. We need to move you. And then when I showed him actually, you know, we got into it. I said, I'm not just going to move you just to move you. Like I'm I'm going to break it down for you. You got to look at the cost of the investment. This is why it hasn't grown. This is the cost that they're charging you just to have the investment. And this guy was—I mean, he was bleak. He fe- he felt he felt robbed. I mean, this is—he's missed out on like twenty-three years of growth. Um, and the, like when he saw it, he was just like, he was just like, how can advisors do this? And you know, it's like I felt quite ashamed for my industry that someone that calls himself an advisor, which I'm, you know, which I'm also called, has done this stuff to this guy. And like he's like so bleak. And then I'm sitting in front of him as an advisor. You know, and, and he's like, yeah, your industry is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I just said to him, like, you've got to find, you've got to find the right guy. The guy's going to study the right stuff and, and not just look after his own pocket. Um, so anyway, I'm sorting. So the sad thing is I'm sorting all the stuff, this guy's stuff out, right? But how's this? He's been in, he's been in, in an RA, it's a retirement product, for 23 years. And we've requested to cancel and move it. They want to charge a 7% fee to move it, to cancel it. And then you can think of an RA that's 23 years old and this guy's been putting away. After 23 years, they still want to charge him 7%. There is still a 7% cancellation fee just to move it and put him in. So just to put him in a better place and he's been paying these guys for 23 years. They still send him a letter saying like, thanks for 23 years of business. By the way, if you want to move it, it's going to cost you 7%. And when you put that into a number, it's it's huge. So 23 Um, years of paying inflated amounts that they taking out of what was the average fee he was what what's the average management fee he's been paying over the term 4.5 percent oh my god so 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 he's been paying 4.5 percent so let's just put this in perspective right so if your growth on your on your asset is 10 percent right inflation is seven percent so that leaves you a three so they're taking 4.5 so you're going backwards you're literally going backwards So, and then they want so, to charge you seven percent. So the whole the whole endeavor only served the life insurance company and the advisor. They're the only people who won out of this. Yeah, yeah, it makes me go cold. Like I literally, for twenty three years, that's been the case. And then, and then, and then, I think I think the second one he took out was in twenty seventeen. So like now you're nineteen years late, and you're like, okay, let me get another RA because this one's not growing. It's not going. Yeah. So he took out took out another two. Unfortunately, also with another life insurance company. So. I was like, it just doubled down. So when I came there and I saw this mess, I was like, well, I mean, I've got to fix it. So fortunately, the one, the, the more the recent, the recent ones, there's a, there's a bit more regulation in place, but it's still not, it's still not a favorable investment uh, for the client. Um, there was actually, the, it was a less of a cancellation fee, but the old one of 23 years, that advisor must have got a massive upfront commission because essentially the reason there's a penalty is because they are still paying off the costs 
of having that investment and paying the advisor or paying whoever had to get get paid. Yeah. So that advisor, when he took it out, could say, I'm taking this out for a 30 year, 30 year term and he would get paid commission that he would have earned in 30 years he gets up front. And then over 30 years, they recoup that from the client, which I suspect yeah. is the case because this guy's 23 years later and he's still got a 7% yeah. uh, cancellation fee. So I'm guessing that that was a 30 year product. So that advisor made bank and this poor guy 23 years later has had minimal growth, way below inflation. Um, anyway, so that's, I mean, so, so that's where it's like, yeah, that's where I really struggle with the industry. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm pretty proud to be in the place that I'm in. I mean, Ricky, yeah. you know the struggles yeah. of what it's like and, and to give advice where you, you've got a low fee structure. It's, it's all about building a book. Um, yeah. Well, let's and, put this into yeah. context, right? Yeah. So people understand really what it's about. How much does an advisor earn on one of those bullshit old school endowment style policy style RAs? In, if for every hundred rand he puts in a premium, what what commission will the advisor earn on that hundred bucks? So depending on the company you're dealing with, but generally yeah. it's probably four to five times the premium. Yeah. So on a thousand rand RA, which generally a lot of clients are happy to do, like a thousand rand RA, you will make five, maybe six grand. Some companies maybe even more. Upfront, you can like sort of put in your, put in your pocket and you kind of like walk away. Yeah. Um, and that's why advisors see you first time and then you don't see them again, right? Yeah. Yeah, because they've made yep. their money. So there's no incentive to continue money. looking after looking after the client yes. because thereafter you actually don't get anything. You get your yep. big money and you can like, you know, peace out. Yep. Um, and then the poor client is stuck in for five years or 10 years or 20 or 30 years. He's like, I can't move because yep. if he moves, he pays a massive penalty and he loses his money. So, yeah, in contrast, if you're going to sell the right stuff, which I do a lot of my stuff is is on the investment platform. So this is where it's different. This is a, if you want to do an RA or if you want to do an investment, you go to the, the investment guys, you go to the Alan Gray's, the Investex, or you go to a platform like Glacier. Um, yep. And there it's, it's, a, it's not a contract. You're not entered. You can do an investment. You can start an, you can start a debit order. You can stop it. And there's no penalties. And if you want to move it. So that's debit. a, so that's a pure unit trust style product versus a policy style product. Like that's exactly. the distinction, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's no contract. It's, it's purely your money you put in and, and in those products, the fees are way more transparent. Um, to backtrack to one of those life previous, or those endowment structure RAs, if I want to get an, an annual cost, an effective, they call them an EAC, an effective annual cost. So that is sort of a representation of the fee that you pay. So it includes the asset management fees, any platform fees, advice fees, you know, anything that's, that's costing you. That's reducing costing your yield. But it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Is, it's a reduction in yield. Absolutely. Is, that's what they call an EAC. And that's when we refer to that's like 4.5% or, or those high numbers. And we've seen, I've seen 7.2%. In fact, my worst I ever saw was 8.8% in the oh living room. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> true story. Um, so yeah, so that's an EAC. And so if you go to these, these other investment companies, that's, it's, it's transparent. It's, that's your cost. They put it out nicely for you. You can see a good breakdown. With those life insurance companies, you have no idea the fees you're paying. They, do not dis, they don't disclose Yeah, they hide time. it away. They hide it away. Um, you know, it's, it's, they've all these, got these funny explanations. They add, they add an extra fee as a marketing and an admin fee. And it's like, and if you want to echo, get the actual... Echo bonus. Yeah, echo bonus fee. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those bonus ones, that's a famous one as well. They take your yeah. own money and they just pay it back to you at the end and they're like, it's a bonus. After um, 30 years, you can get... 75% of the money you paid extra, you can get that back yeah. after 30 years, but only if you don't change anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, yeah, so that's, so that's, that's, that's representative. Yeah. What's, what's the fee on the unit trust side versus the endowment side? Like what, what do you, what do you, what's the EAC on a unit trust RA versus the endowment RA? So, okay. So it's, it, it can vary quite a bit depending on the funds that you're choosing. 
yeah. you know, I, I like to choose a bit of a passive and, a, and a, an active approach. Um, so if you can mix up a little, you probably anything around 2%, I feel is fair. Um, and you might not think 2% compared to 4.5% or 5%, oh, it's only a 2-3% difference. It is a massive difference if you compound that. Mm. Massive. I mean, that can be... You're talking millions of rands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely massive. Um, I mean, if you literally just take 3% over 10 years, that's 30% of your investment. I mean, that's not even you know an easy... It's, it's not a straightforward comp- calculation because it's not compounded. But I mean, like, that's 30%. Yeah, that's simple, yeah. In 10 years, 30% of your investment. When you're talking a million rand, that's 300,000 rand difference. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So fees are, fees are a big thing in the industry. Um, and that's a lot what I'm building my business about is, is I come across yeah. clients and I see them in these rubbish things. It is an admin nightmare to get them out of it. Um, especially oh, yeah. if there's a termination term, penalty... <laughs> You've got to do the calculation. Is it worth it? Is it worth it for this guy to take this knock of 7% and take him across, you know, how far is he to retirement, all that kind of stuff. So you've got to take it into account. But um, So you've actually got to do the work. Yeah. In other words, you as a, the honest advisor has got to do all this work, calculation work, paperwork, all that to move him across. And you know you are making nothing uh, upfront yeah. on that. It's only long-term because you're making, what, 0.5% per year on the total exactly. assets under management as an advisor. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, a advisor. Exactly. So if you're if, yeah, so if you're a decent advisor and you're trying to build a book, generally a, f- yeah. a fair percentage is zero point five percent for you to manage a client's investments to ensure that they're in the right funds, um, their risk profile aligns with you know with with what they're trying to do and what their goals are, um, and that's and that's your zero point five percent, which is I think <clears throat> maybe a few years ago it was probably at one percent, but I th- I'm at zero point five percent. I think that's a that's a that's a fair game, and if that zero point five percent is a total asset value, divide that by twelve, and I get that monthly. So. You know, if you've got a guy that's putting a thousand rand away on an RA, after the first year, I'm not even making five rand a month. That's before yep. any tax. That's before. So, I mean, five rand yeah. for all of yeah. that. It's you know, so so yep. that's why these guys don't sell it, right? Because I'm yep. not getting the six thousand rand in my pocket and, and leaving. I'm getting five rand a month, and that's before that's before tax or any splits or anything like that. So I'm probably getting around two rand fifty. <laughs> so, and so this is this is why we we talk about like the incentives in the industry are all wrong. Because yeah. the incentive, the incentives direct people to do the wrong thing in in this industry. So you yeah. really have to be like a very ethical and honest person to just literally eat shit for years, but to do the right thing. And it's thankless because everyone, your principal at your at your firm you work for, um, other advisors, everyone is just giving you grief because you're not you're not making the money. Um, yeah. You see other advisors driving around and flash new cars. Yeah. You're driving around in your old car because you're doing the right thing. You're like what am I doing? You know, why am I, maybe I should just screw people over, you know, like to, to be with these. And this is where we, we coined the term. These guys are lizards. They're cold blooded lizards, you know, because they haven't got a, haven't got a soul, man. It's terrible. Um, but you know, this is the thing. At least there are some guys willing to do it. And, and like, I, I don't think people understand, man, like five years, six years, um, you and I went through this. I, I tapped out. I couldn't do it. Um, but I watched you do it for six years. And finally, you've got to a point where you've built a big book, a large base of clients of people who trust you because of doing this. Um, but, you know, the first the first three, four years were really, really tough, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> and that's, I mean, the temptation's there. You see the guys driving the fast cars. They're getting all the recognition. You know, they're getting, rec- yeah, they're getting recognized by their company because how it works in financial services generally is that they take a percentage of your income. So if you're earning less, your company's getting less out of you. So they're not happy. So the whole system no. is like literally incentivizing Incent. you to be that, yeah, to be a lizard. To be a lizard. Um, to be a lizard, yeah. yeah. 
yeah and they, so, they have those yeah. they have those cruises and they have like the award ceremonies where you win like all the lizards are lined up they're winning their awards for like advisor of the year and you're like that motherfucker is not the advisor he's the lizard of the year he has screwed yeah. the most people and you guys are giving him a fucking award yeah yeah he's and this is financial he's advice what <laughs> yeah so and yeah, and that was that's and that was the industry. That's where we started. I mean, that was, but it, I mean, we were there for not very long, and we cottoned onto this, and we were like, "Hang yeah. a second, hang yeah. a second, this something's something's off here." And that's essentially yeah. why you and I, you left the industry, and I left that company, and we were like, "We're out." Um, yeah. I went to a place where I could provide better advice, where I could give independent advice, where I could choose companies that I know are going to be the right thing for my clients. So that's yeah, and that's and that's kind of where we split. But but I think Bitcoin's always brought us back together, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get into Bitcoin, I want to I want to get into like so there's been a lot of talk these days about retirement funds, like Reg 28 funds, pension funds, provident funds, retirement annuities, and what the government is planning to do and how they're changing the asset mix, um, how the reg how what Reg 28 is, what it what it means, um, and what limitations it places on your assets, so in your retirement fund or your pension fund from work, and how the government is trying to shape that over time. That for example, if you immigrate they want to impose a law that you can't withdraw those funds for three years after you immigrated. So I yeah. think let's talk through what a Reg 28 fund is, what they what they mean, the distinctions between them, and then like what the the legislation land or the regulatory landscape is currently, and where you where you see it going, and then what options people have got. Cool. Yeah. So Reg 28, um, in short, basically tells you how you can invest your own money. So the government's like, okay, you know, you need a plan for retirement. And sign me up, bro. Where, where do I sign? This sounds great. <laughs> Yeah. So you need a plan for retirement so that we don't have to worry about you. And then, um, oh yeah, and this is how you need to invest. So they basically give you a breakdown saying you're not allowed to go uh, too aggressive. So you can max out at 70% equities, for example. You're not allowed more than 30% offshore investments. Um, they're allowed, I think, an extra 5% for if you go into Africa. So 35% if you include 5% exposure to Africa. Um, so Reg 28 basically is a guideline saying this is how you're going to invest your time and money. You don't have a say. You cannot go, you cannot go into retirement annuity unless it is Regulation 28 compliant. Um, and yeah, and with that, I think they, they're constantly looking at sort of, you know, tightening those rules and saying, okay, you can go into Reg 28. Oh, and by the way, you also have to invest in government entities. So how would you like your RA to be part of ESCOM? Uh, or, or SAA. Or SAA. The post office. The post office. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's what they're kind of aiming at now, which is something that we've called prescribed assets, which is they telling you like, okay, you need to, you need to invest in this. And then you don't have a set. Your retirement money has to go into that. Um, so it's, it's definitely becoming an increasingly uh, worrying place and 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 i think like obviously you know clients are becoming more astute with this kind of stuff and they're kind of realizing like hey i, I don't particularly want to be into to escom and so retirement annuities definitely i've seen you know people are not as um as as excited to invest into an ra as potentially what you used to you see you grow up and it's like first thing you do is like when you start working you know you got to invest into an ra and now it's definitely a thought of well is that what i want to do do i want to be you know, tied up is my, my you know, my money is going to be tied up in South Africa because you can't, in an RA, you can't move your money before 55. The only time you can get your money out is if you immigrate. And now they've got a new rule, which you've got to wait three years and prove you've been out for three years. Um, or if you're permanently disabled, that's the only time. That's it. So, so if I'm, if I'm homeless living under a bridge, you know, yeah. my life's fallen apart and I have a million rand in my RA, I can't access it until I'm 55. No. So basically stay under the bridge, look after yourself. And when you're 55, Go and, go and get your RA. But um, for your own even, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> and even then, 
they, you're only allowed limited portions, right? So you can only take one third of that upfront. So then they say to you, okay, cool. So now you've retired. You've actually made it. You survived under a bridge for 30 years. It's time to retire. We've got your money. Let's go. And then you're like, okay, cool. I've got a million bucks. Like, let me get back on my feet. They're like, oh, no, 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 wait. Actually, you can only take one third upfront. We'll give it to you tax-free. And the remaining two thirds, you have to reinvest and draw an income from that. And then we're going to charge you tax. So one of the biggest attractions of an RA is that you get a tax benefit. So if I contribute a thousand rand for an RA and I'm in a 26% tax bracket, I can get 260 rand from per month from that back. It's, you know, it's a, they, they're incentivizing you to plan for retirement. Like you must, you must plan for retirement. So then you get your retirement and they're like, okay, you made it. Uh, we're going to, we want our 260 back. So it's basically just deferred tax. You're just delaying it. Um, yeah. It's not 260 though. It's, 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 it's a percentage based thing. So you yeah. may, may or may not win out of it, depending on what tax bracket you're in. But yeah. at, at, if you've saved really hard, they're going to penalize you harder. Because yeah. the bigger your income is at retirement, the more they're going to tax you. So the more exactly. diligent so exactly. you've been about saving, the harder you get, they're going to tax you. Yeah. And then also, once you draw that income, you can also only draw it between 2.5 and 17.5%. So you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to draw an income. So you've got a million rand and you, you want to try and deplete it as fast as possible because maybe you, you, you want to move overseas or you've got something else or whatever the case is. You know, the maximum you could take is 17% per year. Obviously, that's divided monthly. So it's going to take you like five years plus to actually deplete the investment. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, like it's, it's tough for me because I've, I've got to wear two hats in this whole thing. Um, there is, a, there is this, a, a place for retirement. It's just frustrating when you're limited as to how you can do it. But a lot of people just purely just do not have the discipline to plan mm. their own finances and to actually make it that far and plan that far ahead. They will spend every cent they have. So, I mean, that's why I'm, that's why I've got a job and that's what I do what I do is because I've got to help, you know, help, help these people that they just don't, they don't get it. They don't know how to invest. They don't know how to plan, you know, going forward. And that's kind of, that's my job. Um, so yeah, so it's tough. There's, there's absolutely still a place for it. It's just frustrating when I can't do it the way I feel is best for the client. Um, mm -hmm. And we've got to abide, we've got to abide by all these rules and laws and that's continuously changing. I mean, this is how it is now. I can't say how it's going to be in 20 to 30 years. <clears throat> Yeah, by the time you retire, we totally different, right? Yeah, what are the yeah, what are the what are the restrictions going to be then? What new rule they're going to bring in, or you know, it's it's, and it's actually it's it's, it's a pretty scary place to be actually because yeah, I am helping people with their futures, and it's 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 tough for me because I'm I'm also worried about you know what they're telling us and what we can and can't do, and it's it's not the yeah. way that I would have done it. I you know I would have invested differently, but I I can't I don't have that choice. Yeah. And so, it's, it's not just RAs, right? A pension fund, a provident fund, it's all under the same banner. It's all under the same um, regulation of, of Reg 28. Yeah. So if so, you've got a pension fund at work, it's it's governed by the same rules. Yeah. You can't just go and put 100% offshore and be like, yeah, I'm cool. Um, yeah. You've, yeah. you've got to go. And, and generally in a pension fund at work, they give you very limited. You've got like three or four funds you can choose from, which is which is generally done by an insurer that's probably charging you a higher fee anyway. And it's one of their own funds. So they're double which dipping. Fund, they're charging which you fees. The double dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're charging you fees uh, uh, for the for the for the investment, and they're charging you fees for the fund manager because they're putting it into their own funds. So it's kind of a double yeah. dipping solution as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and there's no incentive. Funds. There's no incentive for those funds to perform because it's a captive market. The people can't move the money, especially the corporate funds, right? So, like, you've got a pension fund that goes into like a Liberty, a Liberty yeah. Group fund. And then they invested in like the Excelsior range, which is Liberty's own managed funds. You can't move that money. It's with a work pension fund. So like the average employee who's sitting there, he can't choose. Okay, take that shit out of the Excelsior managed multi multi asset manager fund or whatever it's called now. That has given four percent growth for the last fifteen years. 
take that shit out and put me into like a Satrix uh, top 40 tracker or MSCI global tracker fund that's I pay 0.3%. No, you can't do it. So there's no incentive for those asset managers to perform. They're not held to the standard of the free market, like Alan Gray and Coronation, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's a complete fucking scam, to be honest. Like it's it's it's, so, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's tough. So like I've, what I've got to try and do in that situation, I just need to try and optimize it as much as I can for the client. So yeah, you look for the funds that have that are better performing, that are lower in fee costs. So like there's you know balance index funds and stuff where the fees are going to be reduced. Mm. So sure, you're not going to get the the greatest growth, but at least it's not going to be all child by fees. So yeah, my job is then so, to just make it as efficient as possible. So what are we talking in those passive in those passive uh, tracker funds, for example? Like what what fee are we talking there versus a actively managed like Alan Gray equity fund versus like a Satrix top forty index tracker? Yeah. So like your index tracking funds, like they can be as low as like zero point two percent to like zero point four zero point six. That's generally your tracker index mm. scenario. And when you get to actively managed funds, you're probably at some of them is like one point five percent for like an uh, well, let me say not an zero. You could balance funds, you know, actively managed because then you're actually paying an investment manager to try and mm. outperform the market by doing things manually, um, and so he's going to charge a fee for that, right? And so, do that? Um, it's debatable. I think if you look in the long term, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think so. The, the argument there is that an active manager gives you some downside protection, so. You know, if things do, if the market goes down, he can he can move you into cash and he can shift things around. And he can save you uh, from just going straight down with the ship, right? So there is there, and that's why I like to do a mixed solution as well. Um, I also know I want to have some peace of mind because I'm dealing with other people's money. I want to make sure that I can also sleep at night. So knowing that there is some downside protection, that there is someone actively thinking, okay, things are going to go wrong here. And this happened recently. This happened last year. Um, I we've got uh, sort of a, a, an agreement with the company and they do some fund management for us and these guys were saying like listen we're worried about a lot of things we're going to give more exposure to gold companies we're going to give more exposure to where we feel it's going to give us some downside protection and they did and so a lot of my clients were protected and that was that was great and that was an actively managed solution and and it was the clients loved it and it was like okay cool that was some justification to it um so yeah there is an argument for it i mean that was i want to say it's a bit of a black swan event this whole COVID and everything that's gone on um so yeah, there is a case for it, um, but I think that's that's also my job is finding that balance point, right? So what's too much of one, or what's no, it's not enough of the other, and yeah. and, and that's the that's the vital part, right? It's like yeah. having an advisor who understands this stuff and who really takes a keen interest in it and puts you in the right funds because not all funds are equal, not all active funds are equal by a long shot, and not all passive funds are equal by a long shot either. Yeah. So you've got to go and do the due diligence, you've got to go to the seminars, you've got to like look at the asset mix, all that stuff, and like one of the things that that you introduced me to um, was was income funds. Um, and you and I have been banging on about this for ages. Income funds have been outperforming the JSE for like five years in a row um, yep. at much lower risk um, and giving you better yield. So like you have much better stability. So like one of the one of the funds you've um, been harping on, or two of the funds you've been harping on about for, for years now is the Pressing Income Protector and the Coro Strategic Income, right? Yep. And then I remember, I remember you telling me last year after speaking to some asset managers, you were like, well, you know, um, where would you guys put your money? And they mentioned they were both like those two funds. Yeah. And you yeah. phoned me up and you're like, bro, we've been harping on about this for five years. Asset managers yeah. are cutting on now. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what you want in, a, in an advisor, someone who takes the interest, yeah. not someone who's yeah. just smosing you a poly and then never seeing you again, you know? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I remember that phone call quite well. That was yeah. when, that was when like, shit was hitting the fan last year. Yeah. Like, March, bank March last year. And like, yeah. every, everything, everyone was freaking out. And then a lot of money was then pouring into income funds because everyone was panicking because yeah. equity markets were going down. Like, it was wild. Like, 
it was yeah bitcoin crash 50 percent. it was fucking hectic yeah. yeah so things were rough and then everyone obviously panicked and when everyone panics they looked they looked for safety so they want to turn to safety so then they go to income funds they went to cash and we had been in those for a while because we were like mm. something's not right here and we were looking at income funds and we were looking at the returns versus the jc and those and it's more you know you've got more protection more downside protection and yeah, and then so I was in I was in this investment seminar, and the guys were like, "Yeah, so everyone's pouring into to income funds, and like now the problem is liquidity. Like, if one if somebody wants to get out, you know, what funds can actually manage that?" And they were yeah. like, "Oh, the only two funds that we actually think can really do it is is the two funds that we've been, we've been using for ages." So, so that was pretty cool. I think I was like, and that's why I phoned you because you you the guy that would know. Yeah, um, and yeah. that was so, and that was so some 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 justification for like the yeah. work we do, and our clients actually don't really even know. No, they don't even know. That's... Bit of a thank, yeah, it's a bit of a thankless job. So we earn nothing and we don't even get thanked. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> okay, but no, let's let's get away from the earn nothing thing because it's about accumulating assets under management, right? So like you make whatever it is, 0.5% uh, per year under assets under management. And this is the game now. The strategy is to accumulate as many people, as, mu as much money as possible under your umbrella of management. And like, when you get to like 100 million rand on a management, then you can start making a decent living, right? Yeah. Like, but the thing is, you don't just walk into the industry and have a 100 million, like in six months down the line. It's like a, it's like a five, 10 year process to get to yeah. this point. Yeah. And keeping it, right? Yeah. Because exactly. there's a lot of guys who can sell bullshit product and have that AUM, but then they won't keep it because someone like you will come along and tell their client the real story of what's actually happening. Or someone will watch this yeah. podcast and then they'll hire you to manage their finances. And all of a sudden, all those assets flow away from the from the lizards, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's keeping it for a twenty five year term, you know, and that you can, you know, the way I think about it is that if you can look your clients in the eye twenty five years later, then you've done a you've done a good job, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't and, think many advisors can say that. Yeah, and and if you're selling those those bullshit products, those policy things, that doesn't come under assets under management. That that's something else. Asset under management is purely what you have in an investment. You know, something you mm. can look at. Those those endowments don't. That was literally just you got your lump, your lump sum upfront commission, and that doesn't go. You don't earn again from that. So, so there's literally no incentive to ever see that client again because there's not even like an asset under management that you're trying to maintain the relationship. Yeah. You know, no. you just want to go to him again and sell him another one. Yeah. So that's so that's like more of a salesman than anything. But but that is the reality of the industry, and that's and that's yeah. That's I'm like I'm hoping it's going to change, but the products are still out there. They're still out there at the moment. People still sell them. Um, yeah. I do what I can wherever if i come across a client i do what i can i really really try to make sure that they don't have that stuff and i try and educate them as well so that they know so they don't fall for it again um that someone else doesn't come along and tell them they can do something better when you know when actually they just can't they just sold them with a yeah. bunch of rubbish so so i try and really educate my clients as well and make sure that like they know that we are 100 without our doing the right thing yeah um, and then yeah and then and then if they understand it cool they'll stick with you because then they know that's yeah. got my best interest at heart so yeah but yeah, it's a tough conversation to also, you know, you don't want to be that guy that also keeps telling or speaking, you know, rubbish about some other guy. It's like, oh, your other advisor, he did this, he's a douchebag. It's you don't want to do that. You've got to do it in a mm. diplomatic way and say, look, I just I just feel there's something better here. And, mm. Yeah. So it, mm. and it frustrates me. Like I want to say that guy's an idiot. Why did he do that? But mm. yeah, it could be, you know, it could be a friend of the client or whatever. So you've got to be, you know, got to be careful of that. Which is often the case, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where, where do you start as an advisor? You start with friends and family, right? Mm, mm. So, yeah, okay, kick you out on the streets. So, so, so synopsis of Reg Twenty Eight funds like RAs. If you're going to do it, get into an investment product, not a life annuity, a life endowment like style product. Get in there exactly. with Alan Gray, Coronation, 
um, Satrix, Signia, like those guys yeah. have all got, uh, even Easy Equities has got one now. Like yeah. get like a, 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 a unit trust based um, exactly. uh, RA, pay no more than 2%, you know, yeah. like good yeah. rule of thumb. Yeah, if you I do think, that. Yeah. Two to two and a half percent. I kind of make sure that any yeah. investment I do, I kind of two and a half percent is kind of like my threshold. That's where if I'm above that, yeah. I'm gonna try and figure something out and try and so yeah. like I feel that's that's the fairest point. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and and the best way to spot it is if, if there's a termination fee. So ask your advisor if he's trying to sell you something, if there's a termination fee, head for the hills because yeah. he's tying you yeah. to something. If I have to stop my premium for three months and then change it from a thousand rand to five hundred rand. And then five months later, change it back to a thousand rand. Am I going to pay a penalty for that? If the answer is yes, tell him to fuck off. Yeah. 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 If there's yeah. any, if there's any restrictions like that. Yeah. Any yeah. restrictions, not acceptable because products exist that you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I mean, I mean and yeah, last yeah. year I was actually, and this is something we laughed about as well, because we know, you know, we know people in the industry that probably would have been caught out with this, but when, when shit at the fan last year, everyone was pausing their premiums going like, I can't afford my RA anymore. I can't do this. And those yeah, everyone lost their jobs, sold, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they want, yeah, people lost their jobs. There was so much uncertainty. People panicked. And obviously, they, the first thing they try and do is like try and cut those expenses. And those guys mm. that sold those products would have actually have been penalized themselves. Because okay, but hang on. Let's, let's explain clawbacks. Yeah. Yeah, explain to people yeah. what a clawback is. So, so a clawback is, is when you sell a client a product and then they cancel it within a certain term. So these guys that sold these crappy RAs, if somebody canceled within five years, they have to pay the commission back that they've earned initially, right? So unfortunately, the client takes a knock as well because they, they, they will pay a penalty and their investment will get reduced. But then the advisor who sold the thing, who got money in his back pocket, has to pay it back. So, yeah. So, for five years, so, you live with that shadow over you. Yeah, yeah. So you guys see for you. five years knowing that at any point that you can be rug pulled basically <laughs> yes. by, by the company that paid you in the first place. It was, Anyway, so it's nuts. So like, so when things yeah. happened last year, I think we the high stress environment. Yeah, I was chilled. I was yeah. like, clients phone me like, "Hey, I need to pause my RA." I'm like, uh, "Okay, cool. I'll log on quickly. I'll sort you out. No problem." Um, yeah, because if because if, the if they've got a unit trust based RA, there's no penalties, so therefore there's no clawback. Exactly. And obviously, your clients like, "Hey, listen, Matt. Um, obviously, COVID hit my companies. Like, laid me off. Please, can you stop my RA? I don't know when we're going to start again." You're like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Whereas if he has a conversation, if you sold him an endowment style, policy style product, he's like, hey, man, I got to cancel my policy. You're just like, oh, no, clawback yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah, and the clawbacks yeah. are yeah. savage. Yeah. And then you got a scramble. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know, but maybe, maybe don't try and hang in there, you know. And these guys are panicking. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's just. Yeah, we saw a lot of lizards, a lot of lizards lose their tails in that in those few months. Yeah. <laughs> it was but beautiful was, yeah. to see. But I was just gonna say I don't know, I don't know what it said, but it was it was satisfying. Put it that way, because like, yeah, you finally feel good about you can really feel good about what you did because you're like, hey, that's not that's not me that's getting whacked for a change. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, okay, so so that's Reg Twenty Eight products, RAs, tax free savings accounts. Yeah. Or TFSAs. What's the deal? Yeah. So TFSA that's something that I use quite a bit um, because you've got flexibility. You can invest up to. And we'll get it'll get a bit more complicated now, but you can invest up to 100% offshore. So, to me, if you've got an RA already in South Africa, and you or you've got a property and you've got your car and you've got a lot in South Africa, why are you not putting stuff offshore? And if you can go into a product that doesn't restrict you, well, then you should be going offshore. So, majority of my clients, that's pretty much what I do: 100% offshore into a tax-free because any growth on the tax-free is not taxed. So, um. 
unfortunately, because of that, they do limit you. So once again, they're telling you how much you can do with what, but you can up to 36,000 Rand uh, per year. You can put into a tax-free investment. And once again, make sure you go to the unit trust companies. So you go to the Investex, Alan Gray's, Glaciers, those guys. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's flexible. So if you ever leave the country, you can withdraw it fully and you can leave. Um, so it's like almost like I would say it's basically a secondary retirement vehicle. So I make but sure there's no maximize. tax. There's no tax anyway, even when you withdraw. No capital gains tax, yeah. no income tax. Yeah. You can take the full amount as a lump sum. Thank you very exactly, much. Yeah. Good to go. Exactly. Yeah. So that to me is like your first point of call. So if you want to, if you come to me like I want to save, uh, then the tax free is like your number one thing. So there's a few things like that I would recommend, and the tax free is one, and emergency fund is the other, and all of those need to be in flexible vehicles. Um, yeah, but the but thing anyway, with so the tax free though, yeah, yeah. the thing with the tax free is you there's a 500k limit for your lifetime, for your so lifetime, you can't yeah. put in and take out. You've got to like keep it yes. for the long term because if you take out, you reduce your overall cap. Exactly, it's a once or five hundred thousand. So if you put in 30 grand for the year, you can only for the rest of your life put in 470,000, end of story. Mm. You can't mm. put in, take out, put in, take out, you know, it's, that's it. So every time you put yep. in, that amount gets reduced. So uh, the, the, what you want to yeah. do with the tax freeze, you want to fully fund it as quickly as possible. So 33K a year, 36K a year, let's say it yeah. takes you five, 15 years to get to 500K you've invested. It might be worth 2 million, but you, but yeah. you then want to leave it as long as possible. Absolutely. before you take anything out or get to the yep. 500k invest and then you can keep you can draw an income off it right so it could be quite a quite a cool vehicle because like let's say it's worth it's worth five million rand um and no one in south africa has got a tax free worth five million rand because they haven't been around long enough yet for that yep. to happen but the, you could then draw an income off of that and not pay tax on that that portion of the income which is coming from it yeah pretty much so so to me like my my thought on a, on a tax free is go as <clears throat> aggressive as possible generally as early short, as early as possible as early as you can so if you have the means take that lump sum at the start of the year at the start of the tax year you drop a lump sum in there so you get the maximum growth for that year it's, you know mm. and then you want to leave it as long as possible and you want to go as aggressive as possible because you want to have the most growth because that's you get yes. the tax benefit right so you want yes. to, and i would say on, again on the offshore note because you're also getting the depreciating rand so you're getting the investment growth plus the rand going down so you're getting sort of that growth as well yes um and you leave it for as long as possible as you said you don't want to touch that thing for as long as possible because it's gonna the more it grows the more it benefits you so ideally before you even start an ra you should do a tax-free yeah i mean everyone's everyone so i'm a lot of i see a lot of people and a lot of people are very uncertain about south africa and the future in south africa you know mm. you don't if you're going into an yes. ra you need to be pretty certain this is where i want to be yeah um because it's because it's, it's a 25 year 30 year term yeah yeah, it's yep. a long commitment. And a lot of and guys tax -free, at the moment. Yeah, tax free. Yeah, are, tax, tax -free you don't have yeah. don't have those limitations, right? Yeah. 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 But a lot of the guys so, so you, at the moment are very uncertain. They don't know if they're going to be here in South mm. Africa. And then it's like, well, then I'm not going to sell you an R, I'm going to sell you a tax free. Mm. Mm. And uh, and literally you could go into a tax free savings account with a index tracker like an ETF uh, BlackRock fund or something that's like a tracking S P five hundred. Um, maybe you've got some like uh, Nasdaq like top 100 or whatever trackers in there your yeah. total cost comes like 0.2 0.3 maybe with all fees you're paying like one percent you know yeah um and you're getting all of that growth like it's a no-brainer yeah absolutely so it, i mean different the different platforms have sort of different products um mm. so for a tax free i'm 100 with you on that so you go go into your trackers go into your sort of your pretty cool your tech funds and your s ps and that kind of stuff which is generally what you can't do on an ra um yeah. 
Because you can go max aggressive, right? You don't have any limitations exactly. on risk. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So you can go into go into all the cool stuff, and that's where the job actually Wait. gets pretty cool. That's the stuff that I. Yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah, that's the interesting stuff. What always amazes me is the government. The government says you can't withdraw early because you need to save for retirement. But we're totally fine with these advisors fleecing you on fees for thirty years. That's cool. That's fine. Don't worry about that. But but and, and we're going to tell you where you must invest and how long and all of that for. But you can get fleeced by yeah. these guys. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So it really yeah, there's a lot in the industry that just doesn't make sense, it, and it's frustrating mm. to be on the advice side sometimes. And and mm. yeah. But it creates great opportunities for people like yourself who are willing to do the extra work and like, you know, go be creative instead of just be like, I'm going to take this product offering from, from a Liberty or Sunlum or Discovery I work for, and just go and chander it up to a client be like, oh yeah, get this thing. Yeah. You get creative and think out the box. You're like, cool. How do I make this as cheap as possible for my client? Basically, yeah. is what it comes down to. Because I mean, like the thing is, um, if you're going to make, if, if I'm going to sell a client a unit trust already, I'm going to make nothing anyway. So I might as well do it properly, right? Whether I'm yeah, five right? or six grand. It's like, yeah. You know, so, so you're going to, yeah, so exactly. So then you do it 100% right. You make sure you absolutely optimize it. And then you hope that a client, I mean, the long term benefit is you hope that the client does well and potentially grows and you can grow with them. So, you yeah. know, as things happen, you together with them, you can build up assets under management and you can, you know, take more on and you get rewarded, but it's a very long term view. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, okay. So next, next topic then. Um, so we've done tax freeze, we've done RAs or Reg 28. Share portfolios. Um, what's the what, what's the crack with share portfolios? Are they accessible to everyone? Um, traditionally, how they've been done. You know, what's the what's the load on there? So generally, so I don't do shares. Um, I'm actually not licensed to do it. Um, but generally, you'll have a stockbroker. So that's the old, honestly, the old school. Way. It's still pretty much a lot of how it goes. But you have a stockbroker, and they will kind of make recommendations for you. You give them money, and they and they trade for you. Um, so it's a bit more, uh, I'd probably say just more for sort of a higher net worth individual that's going to take on a bit more risk. Um, you know, your average man on the street potentially is not going to have a stockbroker and individually invest in shares. That's why you've got unit trusts. Um, but things that have changed recently, you've got, uh, you've got apps like Easy Equities that's bringing, that brings trading to pretty much anybody. If you've got a smartphone, you can do it. Um, so, and and they're, it's extremely cheap on fees. Yeah. Um, so that's changed the game a lot. And through that, I think obviously investors, it's like self-educate. So they see some things like easy equities. And I actually had a conversation with someone the other day, which I would never have thought would be the person to do that. And where suddenly she was like, oh, you must see my easy equities. And she, she tracks everything. And she, it was, I was like, was like, well, impressed. And I was like, really cool. Because that generally would have been a person that probably had been ripped off with like a, one of those contract RAs, whatever. And she was so excited to manage her own share portfolio. And we actually had a really good conversation about it. Um, and that was really, really cool to see is that like, okay, people are now edu like educating themselves and managing it, managing it themselves. I mean, sure, there's a bit of risk with that. But um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're willing to take that on and, you, and dabble, you can learn through the process. I just wouldn't dive in too deep too soon. Mm. So, so like traditionally guys have a, like a PSP, a personal share portfolio, which is managed yeah. by a stockbroker for you. So, but that would be the minimum entry would be like a million bucks to get into that. And yeah, then they a, would. A, yeah. High point yeah. of entry, yeah. Yeah, and then they would sell you a like a generic share portfolio that then becomes bespoke over time as the broker trades for you um, to to meet yeah. your your like risk mandates or whatever. But Easy Equities has exactly. has like changed the game because now you can go in there with twenty bucks and, and like buy shares in Tiger Brands yourself. Yeah, exactly. And 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 yellow Which is, is into GameStop. Yeah, but thing is, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing is, this I mean, some risk comes with that as well because not everyone can stomach volatility and things like that. So you might panic and sell and. You know, this is 
but that's kind of the process of learning where a stockbroker might be a bit more educated and you know done more, yeah. a bit more research into things and stuff but but it's exactly what you say like you're it's generally for a personal stockbroker you it's a high point of entry he'll put you probably into a pretty generic portfolio with a bunch of other clients kind of pulled together and you're in a sort of moderately aggressive scenario and he'll move you around and according to your risk profile but you're generally within a pool of other people it's, it's um, basically a unit truster right without yeah, the tax much. benefits like i don't quite yeah i don't i don't quite understand like yeah i mean i get it you just get a bit more personal you get a bit more personal mm. attention because you can actually chat direct to the to the fund manager where if you're an alan yeah. gray balance fund or whatever the case is you're chucked in and like that's kind of it you don't bring you're not talking to no fund managers when you're an alan gray balance that's for sure yeah 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 so it's like it's yeah it's a bit more sort of i want to say boutique or a bit mm. more personalized as well um yeah yeah. But it's not a big, it's not really a big deal. Like, okay, so now people with easy equities can, can do it themselves. But at the end of the day, man, like not, most people are not traders shouldn't and yeah. shouldn't be traders, you know? Um, and if you want to be, yeah, it's too emotional. And, 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 and so it's a full-time job. So yeah. if you're managing your own portfolio, let's say you've got five bar and you're managing yourself and you're trading for yourself. Cool. Now you've become a trader. It's a full-time job to manage your money. Um, mm -hmm. Congrats. Like you might rather be better suited actually putting that money into a low cost unit trust and let someone out there a professional trader for you and you get your returns and spend your day on the golf course if you want. To yeah. yeah. But like really, because um, yeah. how much more can you outperform a professional trader of a unit, someone managing unit trust within a, within a, a risk mandate, you know, like a moderate yeah. aggressive or whatever, yeah. like how much better can you do than them? To be honest, as a couple of as basis a, points as yeah. an individual trading for yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, it depends. Like in South Africa, there's probably yeah. only so many companies on the JSE that are actually worth investing in. So everyone's kind of got the same basket to look at. So generally, there's not going to be, you know, these massive miracle guys because you're all working out of the same basket. You know, there's only so many companies we can choose. So you kind of, you are very limited. So yeah, you're right. You, you can maybe outperform it a little bit, but it's not going to be anything astronomical. And I'm, I'm being, I'm using generic terms. There are some traders who trade their own money who have done very well for themselves and they outperform yeah. the market significantly because they don't have to have the same constraints that like an asset manager managing a billion rand. They don't have to deal with those same constraints. If they're managing yeah. 5 million, they can be much more, you know, agile yeah. and risky. And yeah. yeah. And yeah, probably less bureaucracy to deal with. And like, you know, yeah. you can do this, you yeah. can, you can't do that because you know, you've got so many different opinions and eyes on you. So if you've got a smaller part in a smaller amount, you probably can do. Yeah. Yeah. You but don't have to fill out a form every time you make a trade. You know, to yeah. send it up to your line manager. Yeah, like, you know, and exactly, like, and get approved yeah. sixteen times before you do something. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But those those processes, especially with asset management firms, are there for a reason to minimize risk and to to, to reduce downside. So, yeah. I mean, I used to work for a, a stock breaking firm, and um, I've saw people come in there with their own share trading accounts. The worst I saw was a guy who brought in thirteen million rand into his own share trading account and blew their account, went to zero, all his money gone. So, like people, <laughs> everyone's daily day trader until the trade goes against you you know and i mean i don't know if you want to get into that but, but you've experienced the downside of a of a stock um that was i mean the numbers were fudged you had no way of knowing that that steinoff was going to be what steinoff was but you got screwed by that you know i mean i don't yeah. know if you want to talk about it or not you might still be yeah no, i don't know i don't mind i mean that's yeah. Like, yeah that's a few years ago but yeah basically that's that's exactly it so i, I had a friend who was a stockbroker and he was like for years he was bugging me he was like dude you've got you've got to see the stockbroking side um, you know, I want to show you what I do. I want to show you how it works. And basically, he wanted to impress me with returns. And at that time, uh, Steinoff was due to release their financials, and everyone thought it's going to be positive. So yep. he said, "Okay, dude, you know, chuck me some bucks." And I did. He then leveraged me, basically. So basically, what I gave him, he invested. He invested five times what I gave him, 
um, yeah. on loaned money. So you sign, it's all in the contract. You sign it, it's, it's a mandate. He's allowed to do it. And yeah. you kind of think, oh, that'll never happen to me. And this is like, honestly, this is like a true story. He invested it. Say I EFT'd on the Monday. He invested it on the Tuesday. And on the Wednesday, it collapsed. And suddenly, and I was in one share. And that share, I mean, almost went to zero. It went like, it lost like 98%. And so it went, it went from was, 100 Rand to, to under one Rand. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that was me. I was, I was like, I mean, if I gave him yeah. one Rand, I suddenly now was in a hole of five Rand. But, yeah. you know, it's like I had to pay that back. So suddenly I was paying into, this thing that I and I into a loser, yeah, into a loser. Yeah. I literally could have burnt the money. I could have set it on fire. So that was a big, and that would have worked out better <laughs> if you had burnt. At least you would have had heat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I've still got the shares. They're still sitting there because, like, obviously, what they try and do is that. So that what happens when that when when something like that goes down is that it's something called a margin call. So they say, okay, well, we're not telling. So you've we've basically bought fifty thousand rands worth of shares that are now only worth. 2000 Rand, we're not wanting to carry that risk of 48,000 Rand. You need to pay in, you need to lessen that risk. Um, and so then every day I'd get a phone call about Hopper's three saying, okay, this is what you've got to pay us today. And that would carry on for like seven days until they felt like, okay, they've reduced their risk to sort of, sort of a minimum. So say I only owed them 10,000 Rand or whatever. Um, and the shares are worth two, they're like, okay, cool. We'll carry an 8,000 Rand risk because the share price might come back, whatever the case is. So that's what happens in a margin. And, and so that was, yeah. The, that's when I learned about what a margin call actually is, mm. and um, yeah, it was a bit, it was a big learning curve, but <clears throat> I think probably in the long term has actually helped me to just be more astute mm. and to a bit, do a bit more research to you know learn a lot more about these things. Um, so I learned the hard way. Yeah, and I mean, like in your, it's a mutual friend of ours, actually, the stockbroker. Like in his defense, there's no way he could have known that they were that they were cooking the books. You know, like. Yeah. All the good, all the money was saying, listen, these guys are good. Steinhoff's going to release a, you know, set of strong financials. And like in his defense, it seemed like a sure thing. Yeah. Um, so he was, yeah, this, he was, yeah. he was trying to, he was trying to do something good. So I, I don't blame yeah. the guy. We yeah. actually are yeah, still yeah, friends. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's a good dude. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't any malevolence or he wasn't trying to, you know, screw anyone. Um, he got screwed just as hard because now he has to go look his mate in the eye and be like, listen, bro, like you need to pay in a margin call of <laughs> times five. <laughs> Yeah. I that remember was, that, man. It was, it was a hard yeah. time. I mean, I'm, yo, yeah. yo, it wasn't a small you, amount of money. Yeah, is, no, it wasn't. <laughs> that I probably didn't and, have at the time, but I made it work. Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? And this is a good segue into the next point. I, I distinctly remember you had to sell Bitcoin to cover that. Yes. Um, and this was in 2017, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the opportunity cost from that has kept on burning you. Um, to where we are now because that bitcoin was were, would have been worth far more and i'm sorry to rub salt in the wound but you know yeah. like this is this is like i want i want to impress this point on people like yeah. your bitcoin the opportunity cost of, of of selling your bitcoin um is high so don't sell your bitcoin first off um and don't fuck around with leverage because it is an yeah. evil mistress bro, when it comes yeah. back to bite you so yeah. on that point did that turn by any chance leave a bad taste in your mouth about bitcoin or how do you feel about bitcoin now no, that Bitcoin, this is the odd thing, right? Is that's that stockbroker and he's a friend of mine. And like he, he told me Bitcoin is for truck drivers. I think, do you remember that? He was just like, so, and the irony, <laughs> the, the irony is that, that Bitcoin saved my ass at that time, right? Because I bought, I bought, I mean, we sat in the office and I remember it was like 4th of May, 2017. And Bitcoin yeah. was about 21,000 Rand. 
Yeah. And then it just pumped from like 12. And we were like, and yeah. you were like, oh, dude, this is high. You know, this is rough. And I was like, okay, but I want in. And you were like, I can wait for it to come down. And I watched it for a day and it didn't. It was still going up. And I was like, I need to get in. I need to get in. And so I did. And I think I bought my first Bitcoin the next day. It was like the 5th of May. And it was like 22,000 Rand of Bitcoin. Yeah. And I mean, I chucked a fair, like a fair amount in there. And, and I mean, and I, you know how the rest of 2017 rent. I mean, Bitcoin yeah. ran. It absolutely ran, and, and I, we didn't know the value at that. Well, I didn't know the value at that stage, and so as a you know, I, and I think it's not, probably not a bad thing. I took some profits. I just you know skimmed a bit off the top, and uh, you know whatever. It is unfortunately uh, that's also more opportunity cost than the out on. But anyway, so I made it through the year, and then I made this bad decision with sign off, which was on the seventh uh, or eighth of December, twenty seventeen, mm. and then the margins calls started coming in, and. But fortunately, I bought Bitcoin in May, and it had been. And at that stage, I still remember it was good timing because Bitcoin hadn't yeah. crashed yet. It was still like Bitcoin was at three hundred. Yeah, yeah, it was. So at that stage, Bitcoin I think peaked in twenty seventeen on the eighteenth of December. Twenty twenty second, twenty second of December. Oh, it was the twenty second? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, just so, before knew, Christmas. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was so Bitcoin. So long story short, Bitcoin saved my ass, and and I got these margin calls, and they were large amounts, and like it's not money mm. that you. It's not money that I would keep in my bank account, right? So it's not I can't just like suddenly EFT these margin calls. So I was, I sat on my computer. I was like, I remember it like pretty well, pretty vividly. It's like sitting there and watching the Bitcoin's price, trying to get as much money as possible for my Bitcoin. So like I'd be watching the price and, and it was there at that stage, I was ticking at about 226 to 228,000. And I was sort of watching it go up and down. And I was like, I'm trying to get, squeeze every last cent out now because I need to go, I got to pay these margin calls. And I'm sitting there selling off all my Bitcoin. And over the course of that week, I had to sell my entire holdings of 2017 um which is something that yeah it's it, it's like it's gonna but thank god you. you were sitting on a 10 bagger you know yeah because well, you could so, because... so but bitcoin yeah bitcoin saved me so this truck this stuff that's meant for truck drivers and whatever else is the ironic thing is this guy said it's meant for truck this is what saved me when he when he screwed up is the thing yeah. that he told me is for truck drivers and is not worth it um so that was the irony in the whole thing but like so that obviously bitcoin saved my bacon and i'm like and since then yeah. You know, it took me a little while just to get going again. And as soon as I could, I was back into Bitcoin. Um, and not at and not a design off. Yeah, not a design off. Um, You're not stacking slide off, that's for sure. Um, and so, yeah, he's like, the unfortunate thing is obviously that just that missed opportunity and cost and all that Bitcoin because we'll never see the prices like that again. And that was such a no. great opportunity. And we were so early at that stage. We didn't know. So early. Um, yeah. yeah, so you just want to kick yourself. But uh, yeah, the sad thing is, obviously, it took me a while to get going again. And then I just didn't have that lump sum capital. So I got back into Bitcoin, but more in a DCA thing. And that's something we've spoken about quite a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now, how does, how does this fall into your, your realm of, of like, what, where do you see Bitcoin fitting into the average person's or anyone's portfolio? You know, from an advisor, so, like yeah. for you, someone who looks at, looks at all the assets, um, look for opportunities for your clients. Like, where do you, where do you see Bitcoin fitting in? So, and, and I mean, Bitcoin, obviously everyone talks about it. So I'm getting a lot of questions from clients about Bitcoin. So it's great to like, you know, be part of the community and have some skin in the game and stuff. Um, but Bitcoin is like, Bitcoin's for everybody. Like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I, know, I don't have enough money to get into Bitcoin or whatever. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, it's a lame excuse. Like there yeah. are platforms in South Africa that make Bitcoin very easy to get and you can do it in small amounts and you can buy, you know, bits over time. So. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to take a big lump sum and chuck into Bitcoin. I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that anyway. So, yeah. you know, get slowly into the game. And, and, I, and I really do think it's for everybody. I've got clients. Um, in fact, one of the first bit clients we did, but advice clients we did um, was an older gentleman, gentleman at the age of 72. Mm. And 
it's it, you know it, it, it sparked his interest and um, I was doing some stuff for him and we got on the conversation of Bitcoin and he loved it and we and we did we we got him and we got him sorted we did it in the right way um so because and it's a lot done of very well for him and it's done <laughs> and it's done well for him yeah and he loves it yeah. and, and 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 we still chat and every time it does it does a little pump we'll I'll, I'll get a message saying oh you know it's it's going again and and I mean so that's and that's an older guy so yeah from if you're young at like absolutely i sat with another guy today for coffee and i was like absolutely you've got to get in and even if you don't have the capital right now you buy in bits over time and, and it's easy to do that um you know we've got platforms on south africa you can do a weekly buy and i've got it i've still got mm. it i've been doing it for quite a while now is that i just load in my wallet and i don't even look at the price i don't even yeah just every week it buys religiously i just make sure there's enough money money in my wallet um and and that's and that's the best way to get in the game. So I'm buying the average price over time. I'm less stressed about volatility. Um, and for the client that is not used to Bitcoin, that is the best way to go because of the volatility. Absolutely, it's not easy for everyone to stomach. You don't want to chuck in a lump sum and then the next day it goes down ten percent, which in Bitcoin is not unusual. <laughs> yeah, um, standard so standard yeah. day at the office. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so back to to what I do with my clients. Like I think it's part, it should be part of everyone's portfolio. I really do. But everyone's risk appetite is better. And I just feel, uh, educate yourself on it, understand it. I think that's ultra important. Uh, know what you're doing. Um, and I think the more you understand and the more you educate yourself, I think the more you'll want. Um, yeah. And the more exposure you'll want. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's an endless game. Like the more I learn, the more I understand it, the more I'm amazed, the more I want. Yeah. Um, so and it's, it's yeah. the most it's the most pristine offshore assets as well, right? Like we talk about offshore assets in South Africa all the time because everyone's aware of the the fucking state of the government and you know what what we're looking at. Um, and offshore assets is, is is where people should be. And Bitcoin is like the most pristine offshore asset, right? Like yeah, you don't have to worry about the U.S. government now or the British government or Lord God forbid the Australian government. You know, like <laughs> you you've got your offshore asset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're ever immigrating. You don't need no one's permission to move your money. You can chuck it in your pocket and you walk over the border. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just from that, as that aspect, it's, I mean, it's I'm like, what a great store of value, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and how have you found other advisors respond to Bitcoin? Um, yeah, I think generally pretty negatively. Um, so, why, why, why do you think that is? <laughs> so, because they can't earn money on it. They're not incentivized to sell it. Who's going to give away so much of their time to explain to a client or educate a client on Bitcoin when they're not going to get anything from it? They don't make any money from it. So, yeah, it's just it's just an, an advice. It's very neglected. Like it's, just, it's like I don't know. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to recommend it. Well, generally, we actually can't. So that's where it's tough for me. It's like I need to. I want my clients yeah. to have exposure. I want them to to. But I can't tell you this is what you got to need. I can't. It's an unregulated instrument. I want to keep my license. So I'm going to be very careful. But what I can yeah, do is... Disclaimer, I what Matt just said, yeah. there was not financial advice about Bitcoin. Yeah. Sorry, no, no, I'm putting words in your mouth. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, but what I can do is I can educate you. That's it. So I can yeah. make sure that if you're going to get it, you're going to get it the right way. You're not going to get scammed. Um, and that you fully understand like what you're getting into and how it works. Um, so that's what I do do. And then it's kind of up to the client and how their risk profile. If they want to take on more risk, then that's kind of their decision. So I'm happy to point you in the right direction and, and guide you and make sure you do it right. But I can't tell you, you need to have 5% exposure. Um, yeah, so that, that is, and that's the tough side because I, I as much as I, and I believe it and I recommend my clients do, but I, you know, I can't say this is what you got to do. I can just, 
I can educate you and help you and guide you, but I can't tell you, yep. advise you, put it that way. <clears throat> so that's because Bitcoin is not a regulated financial product. And, and yeah. this is what most people don't understand. They think financial advisors are there to provide them with financial advice, not the game. The people like, like Matt obviously are there to do that and try the best, but actually they're selling product. And if that product is not regulated by FaZe, that's the financial, uh, what does what does FaZe stand for, Matt? Well, anyway, it's a, it's it's a well, government yeah. act, right? Yeah. So there's a government act that regulates what financial advisors can sell and can talk about to their clients. And because Bitcoin is not a regulated product, but in accordance with that act, they cannot give you adv render advice on it. Mm -hmm. So you're in this weird position where you've got the best performing asset of the last decade, but financial advisors are not allowed to talk about it and they cannot make any money on it because the companies they work for have got no products to sell on Bitcoin. So therefore it gets neglected and the client who thinks he's getting advice is not getting any advice on the best performing asset of the last decade, which is outrageous. And then some of them even talk about it negatively because they don't want their clients to withdraw money out of their existing investments to go and buy Bitcoin on the side without the advisor taking a cut in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So they're scared of losing assets under management to Bitcoin as well. So it's like, yeah, it's even more of a negative effect. It actually can make them lose money is if their clients are too into Bitcoin because then they'll think, okay, cool. Well, I want exposure to Bitcoin. They draw out of their investment the advisor loses assets under management. So yeah, so it's 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 tough. But um if my clients are, are keen on it, I happily sort of educate and help and advise and I just point them in the right direction. And that's where Bitfice has been fantastic. Um that I can give them a place to go to where I know that they're gonna they can safely get their own Bitcoin and self-custody it and educate and, themselves. And this is where Brandon and I came from. So both of us work in the industry. Brandon's Alan Gray, Matthew and I work together. Um we'll not mention the name, but we work for a company and we had seen the fuckery that goes on in the, in the advice space. And we were like, there must be a way to build a solution for financial advisors to get remunerated for advising their clients on Bitcoin. So that's what we built at Bitvice. So currently, the regulation hasn't caught up yet. So we that product is like um, not the uptake by advisors is tiny because they don't want to break the law, obviously. Um, but the regulation is coming within the next year. Bitcoin is going to be a regulated financial product. Like there's discussions at the reserve bank level, at the government level. Um, we have it on good authority. This is this is happening, um, and then it's going to be game on. And and Bitvice is then ready for that position. We we we're ready for it. But um, that's kind of our game is to educate advisors um, and help advisors so they can provide the best quality education to the clients and help their clients hold the Bitcoin for themselves in their own hardware wallets or in their own multisig or, or whatever solution that works best for them. Um, but yeah, then you, it changes the game, right? Because now all of a sudden advisors can talk about Bitcoin and are incentivized to get the clients into Bitcoin. Um, and you're actually doing the best thing for your client because no unit trust has got a stitch on, on Bitcoin's performance over the last, you know, let yeah. alone decade. It took a time yeah. frame, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Best performing asset of the last decade. But um, I mean, so that's the thing. So what else is and something with Pinchy Mister is that if I don't educate a client of Bitcoin, so say they're asking, I don't know, Potentially, they're going to get scammed yeah. because they are going to go to the wrong place for advice or they're going to Google it or they're going to listen to a friend that referred them to something and they're going to get scammed. They're going so, to get MTI'd. Yeah, they're going to get MTI'd. Or the other one was CBI and there's uh, the, AfriCrypt and all those guys. But Bitcoin Global, BTC Global. Global. Yeah, how, many of, how many of these things have we seen? Bro? Yeah. No. So Triple I think M. you and I have been pretty good. We've been the scam spotters, right? Mm. Um, and because I'm an advisor to many, a lot of people ask me like, hey, Matt, have you heard of this? Or, hey, Matt. So I kind of need to be up to speed with who's, what's the latest scam? What's the latest scam? Yeah. Yeah. But they're what's all the, the same. It's easy to spot once you know what to look for, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. 
uh, yeah, you know, spot them a mile off. But if to an uneducated eye that doesn't know Bitcoin, mm -hmm. they think that's Bitcoin. Yeah, they think and, that's Bitcoin. Yeah, man, it's it's sad because I've you know I've heard I've got friends that have been scammed. I've got very good family friends that put money in there, and they're older. They don't have time to recoup that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's just. But you've yeah. but you've had people be get angry with you when you told them they're in like MTI, where you're like, listen, bro, you're in MTI. This is a scam. What are you doing? Yeah. They got angry yeah. at you. Yeah. Literally. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a guy. He messaged me to check it out. And I was like, uh, dude, this is a scam. Like, you should get your money out. And he was like, no, oh, no, they're busy. They're going to pay me. I see my returns. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was like, cool. So, like, whatever. I'm not going to get into involved. I was like, dude, it's a scam. Anyway, like, six months later, I just like, one day I, it came up again. And I was like, I'm just going to message this guy. And I'm like, hey, dude, listen, are you still in MTI? And he was like, yeah, I'm still, uh, still going well. So, I'm like, dude, get your money out. It's a scam. Anyway, the hawks, all, the hawks are investigating. Look at this article. Yeah, get your money yeah. out, yeah. Then, like three months later, then all that stuff comes on in the press. I was like, dude, oh, like, get your money out. He's like, oh, it's just what he's like. He gave me some excuse. It's like, oh, they're working. Someone's working with the press, and he gave me this whole freaking thing about like, no, his money's safe. He's fine. And then two months later, the whole thing collapsed. So I sent him one more message, and I kind of knew the answer. I was like, dude, did you get your money out? And he didn't. No, just no. And we never spoke again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I try to warn him, but. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Was MPI. I mean, look, you did your best. Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do, bro? Yeah, um, exactly. Did my best. Yeah. Obviously, he's probably feeling pretty stupid right now, um, and poor. But you know, <laughs> guys lost a lot of money in MCI. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. It's but, sad because yeah, yeah, they didn't understand yeah. it. But they they keep coming back, and and this is what we found out. Like, um, I didn't know about this, but I spoke to a couple of guys. We interviewed um, Louis Nell on the pod a couple of months back. And he was like, because he's been hunting these scam guys. And it's the same offenders that roll over into the next scam. So the guys from BTC Global rolled over into, into MTI. And they were involved in other scams prior, prior as well. And they just, yeah. they just never get fucked. Somehow they don't get caught. Yeah. Lord knows. I mean, that Johan Albertain, is it Albertain or Augustine, whatever his name is. He's, uh, he's jawling in Panama somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but the rest of his crew, Sherry Marks and, Johan, and, and Anthony Marks and those guys. No, not Anthony Marks. Yeah. Sorry, Anthony. Not, not the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> not anthony marks different guy yeah, Hans steinberg was one guy clinton something or other it's like yes the same yes guy. yes but they're still rolling around bro. oh they're not in jail like what's going on are they defrauded people out of like billions you know um outrageous but i mean this is it so so i suppose the like you said the biggest part of your job when talking to people like crypto is scam spotting because the scams are so abundant yeah yeah and, and it's, it's so I mean, simple I'm, to avoid right yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's, I mean, in the lower income communities, they've got less access to um, information and to education. Yeah. And so these guys, and so they're easy targets, they're easier targets. I mean, I've got yeah. guy, there was a guy in my neighborhood security who came up to me. He was like, oh, you know, he has, you know, showed me this thing. And he's like, oh, he's buying Bitcoin. And he showed me this like WhatsApp message and how it works. And it's like, and I was like, I try to explain this guy, dude, don't do that. But you know, he's getting sold by these people and they're selling him this dream of making so much money through Bitcoin. Mm. I don't, mm. I never spoke to the guy again. I just said to him, like, I haven't seen him since, but I just like, I can just mm. hope that he didn't, but I could see that yeah. he just, they just struggle to really grasp what it is. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's pretty sad Yeah, because they can yeah. actually get Bitcoin and yeah. do it, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not that hard to get, like you can actually do it. But yeah. It's just understanding it's having access to the right information and the right people to tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's it is what it is you've got to fight the good fight that's not just another crusade you got to you got to be on and that's educating your clients and it's not just it's not just poor people that fall for this room. like really wealthy people 
fall for these scams um, yeah. and get they get fleeced the hardest, you know, they get fleeced to the tune of millions. Yeah, they've just generally got like some other kind of savings, whatever. That's just like a buffer that they don't feel like. Generally, yeah. the the poor people will throw in whatever they've got, and then you know they get totally, yeah. totally, totally yeah. wrecked. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, okay, well, Matt, on that bombshell, um, I think we're going to leave it there. Where can people, if anyone wants to track you down, they've got an RA, they've got some discretionary investments, they want to get a second opinion on what they've got. How can people? How can people get hold of you um, and speak to you about their their current portfolio um, and maybe you know give them some recommendations or they can take you on as a as an advisor? How can yeah. how can they find you? Uh, probably the best way is just um, through email. Um, so yeah, I'll give you an email address. But I, I'm happy to. I'll put the link. I'll put the link in yeah. below. Put your email on there. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the firm the you. firm you work for. Where can they where can they find your website, etc. Uh, so it's Life Force Financial Services. Um, L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E dot C-E-R-O-Z-A, -E -E, Life Force. Um, and my profile's on there. Uh, my email address will be on there. Um, but yeah, generally, if you've got one of those policy RAs and stuff, I'll definitely have a look for you and see if I can help you get, get out of that mess. And the biggest thing you do is you move them over from a policy RA into like a unit trust style RA, right? Like exactly, you do that, yeah. You do that move for them. Yeah, it's called the Section 14 transfer. It's a fair bit of paperwork, but we can do the majority of it. I do it through e-signing, so it's all digital anyway, so you don't have to print and scan all the kind of stuff. I try and make it as easy as possible. Mm. Um, a Section 14 transfer doesn't trigger any tax. Uh, it's purely a transfer from that other company to the new company. And yeah, we just will, we'll just make sure it's like more efficient. Um, and I do yeah. a lot of those. I'm almost every, every client I come across. And if someone wants to schedule a consultation with you, they just drop you an email. Um, yeah. uh, they're going to have to book you pretty far in advance. I understand you're pretty busy these days. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty busy. Lord knows it took took you a while to nail you down for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. Um, yeah, it's been hectic, but this is because I'm doing so much paperwork, getting all these section 14s done, busy rescuing everybody, like the Robin Hood of financial advice. Got <laughs> to get all these guys, get them rescued. Um, but yeah, I mean, happy to do a Zoom uh, a Zoom consultation. We can chat, uh, see what you got, and see maybe if I can just I can just help you out. I mean, even yeah. guys that are you know that you've got an RA that's lying dormant, just at least if it's there, make sure it's in the right place. Don't just leave it because yeah. if it's you know even if you're not contributing anymore, just make sure you optimize it because it's still your money at the end of the day, and you still want to at the end of the day you want as, as much out of it as you can. One last thing before we go, yeah. I forgot to bring this up: offshore yeah. investments. You do offshore mm. investments as well, right? This is because yeah. this is a very vital, vital topic, right? Yeah. So, yeah, offshore to me is a big thing. Mm. Um, I just think the way the RAND's going with all like, you know, the political uncertainty and how things are going here, um, the clever money, I think, is going to be offshore. Um, the sad thing is that generally going offshore is, is quite expensive. There are sort of also sort of higher barri barriers to getting, getting off. Um, but yeah, offshore investments. Um, I'm recently, well, currently I'm looking at opening a code to I can do offshore pension structures as well, um, where we've got more flexibility than what, what, what we have here. Um, but yeah, the offshore space is, I mean, that's actually where a lot of the, the, my business that I'm busy with at the moment is looking offshore and, and, and protecting people there as well. Um, yeah, if you look at the RAND over the last 10 years versus the dollar, I think the loss was about 105, 106% the most recent I looked at. So and that, that means that literally if you just bought dollars and stuck it on your mattress, you would have made 106%. So no brainer. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. There's not much more to say than that. I mean, yeah. 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 And if you, and if you can't afford, if you can't afford offshore investments, you can put 10 rand a month into Bitcoin, you know, like there's your offshore asset right there, you know? Yeah, exactly. If you can't but, go direct shore, there, I mean, there's, there are like sort of middle grounds. You can go into a feeder fund or something where you at least mm. you've got some offshore, but you'll still be in rands, but you're exposed to offshore company. Yes. So absolutely. there are, there are and, solutions. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, th- and this is a cool thing. Like someone comes to speak to you and they're going to get a holistic, they're going to get a holistic picture and they're not going to get bullshitted, which is, you know, what more can you ask for? Um, really? Yeah. I mean, disclaimer, Matt does, Matt does my stuff. Um, only because I used to be an advisor. I know the game and I'm like, I want Matt to do my paperwork and I know he's going to put the stuff in the right place. Um, yeah, that's so I trust Matt. Um, yeah, it's got my, my stamp of approval for sure. Yep. Shot. <laughs> you seem excited by that. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky's one of the big fish. <laughs> Don't dox me like that, bro. No, 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 no. It's like I need my century, like the, that guy, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio guy was, the wife's yeah. like, our banks is our banks empty and it's Leonardo with the crazer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was epic. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So there's, okay. So funny story before we, we end off. So, so obviously I've got, I've got cold storage, right? And, um, I've got my seed phrase and stuff hidden in the house. <clears throat> and my girlfriend was doing some tidying up the other day and she stumbled upon it. And I was like, oh my goodness. She was just like, yeah. She's like, I can, you know, she's like, I'm out. And she could literally just peace out. Dude, yeah. So just hide those things and freaking hide them well and like at like spread them geographically, do what you gotta do. But like, yeah, so my, absolutely. Yeah, so my well, I, I said wife, but I'm, my girlfriend was holding my seed phrase when I came upstairs. I was like, whoa, you're not supposed to know where that is. So was that a Freudian yeah. was that a Freudian slip you called to your wife? Yeah, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> I don't know if she'll make it this far into the podcast, but if she does, <laughs> this could be awkward. <laughs> On that bombshell, Matthew, thank you very much. Great yeah, show. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely chat again soon. Guys, I'll put all the math details in the uh, description below so you can track them down. Also, if you want to listen to this on audio version, uh, we've got a podcast. You can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can get the audio version uh, once a week. We release it. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get the CNGO every week. We release typically on Thursdays, like today. It's a Thursday. Um, and then also, if you want to buy Bitcoin, contact Bitvice. We get you set up with your own self-custody. So we only do self-custody. We don't hold your Bitcoin for you. So we'll guide you on setting up a hardware wallet, a multi-sig wallet, whatever the case may be. We'll create a bespoke solution for you. And if you're an advisor who wants to advise your clients on how to do Bitcoin, contact us. We'll set you up so that you can help your clients do it. And that's that. Matt, any parting words? No, I'm good. Buy Bitcoin. Haha, <laughs> yes. Great. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Matt. We'll chat to you soon. Hey, guys.